KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. We went back through back streets and route Route 30 and past the seminary where the Pope was staying. And, and I kid you not, there's a splash of water hits the windshield of the, our bus. I said, guys, the Pope just threw us a blessing. Okay, the kids kind of chuckle. Uh, we go on the way, we get to the stadium. And obviously the kids, um, tremendous effort by everybody. And our guest this week, University of Pennsylvania head football coach Ray Priori. And coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, great to be here, Matt. So this has been a very challenging last 10 months or so for everyone. The pandemic uh, cost you the Ivy League football season, this football season as a whole. Uh, Just how challenging has this been on every level from a personal standpoint, from a coach standpoint, keeping the kids engaged? You know, uh, how much of a challenge has it been? Well, I agree with you. I think it starts on the personal level. I think uh, perhaps everyone personally has been affected by it, whether it's help the family, friends, neighbors from that perspective. And then obviously as a coach and a mentor to the kids, you're trying to, and you're worried about the welfare and wellness of your, your kids, you know, hundred plus, you know, starting back in last March with, you know, kids, you know, being told they're done with campus and then the highs and the lows, you know, truly the emotional roller coaster that these kids have been on uh, were coming back to school, coming back to play and all of a sudden the season was canceled. So there was much, of uh, the uh, ebb and flows you can have in the highs and the lows uh, with this last, uh, you know, uh, you know, 10 months, as you said. How have you been able to keep with the kids, uh, you and the staff, just as far as, uh, you know, staying close, staying in contact and, and checking in with them? Yeah, what we've done, and I think the NCAA did a very, very good job last spring of uh, our availability to, you know, contact work with our kids even in the recruiting world, you know, you know things have have changed, and I think we all now know what the world the word Zoom means. Okay, so we've been able to have you know weekly um, meetings with our kids, depending upon the time of the year. You know, you're talking football, you're talking life, you're trying to keep them focused and driven, and uh, with each other. You know, you have guest speakers on to really try to give perspective on things, and you know, we've been just like everybody else in, in the world today. We we've, we've been living life on Zoom, staff meetings, you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning. We try to keep as much a, as a routine that you can keep uh, in these times, but also being very sensitive to um, staff and families and the challenges that folks have at home with kids not being in school and daycare and all those other things that you have with it. Uh, truth be said, you know, since March, I guess it would be, you know, 15th, 16th, um, I've only been in the office, you know, a, you know, a dozen or so times. Okay. So we've been really re- working remote as a, as a university and Penn has urged everyone to work from home in that point in time. So let's talk a little bit about your story growing up. Were you a football first kid or was it whatever was in season you were playing or how did, how did it shake out in your neighborhood? Yeah, I, I would say that we were a uh, sports uh, sports family. Uh, yeah, dad, a big uh, New York uh, Mets fan, Giants fan, Rangers, you know, uh, uh, New York fan. Uh, the boot, uh, uh, Nick's um, was our you know pop Warner coach, was our baseball coach growing up. My older brother and younger brother, and we played everything. Uh, I mean, I go back to my high school years where I actually played four sports. I, um, I played obviously football. I uh, wrestled. I played ice hockey over the wintertime and baseball on uh, the springtime. So it was, uh, it was always going something there, you know, parents, you know, 
getting us around from different activities. But uh, nothing really all one until you sort of got to that next step when you were going to college and what did you really think you wanted to do and where what were you best at? When do you start to, you know, you play football in college and you talk about, but when do you start to really zone in on co- on football? Was there a, a year that you started to think, you know, this will probably be where I'll go the furthest? Yeah, I would say through the through the uh, high school years, right? I think uh, you know baseball. You know, I, I I was a good n- number two hole bunter. That's all I could do was bunt. Okay, so that's that I, I was done there. You know, wrestling, I, I love the competition, the one on one, but I didn't see that you know sort of moving forward. Uh, ice hockey, uh, but loved it. Played ice hockey and grew up playing hockey. Uh, back where I grew up on Long Island, the, the the New York Rangers. That was their home ice. They practice ice, so you got a chance to be around the. Uh, that that environment all the time, but you know, even hockey at the college level isn't what it was today. So really, football then sort of stood out there, and uh, sort of you know, as at the end of high school, you know, getting being recruited, and you know, make that decision to ultimately go to Albany. Did you realize? I mean, I'm not at the time. How much did playing all those different sports complement each other? And when you look back, do you see like, wow, you know, the wrestling and, and the hockey helped make me a better football player, even though that's probably not the goal at the time? Yeah, I'm not sure if you, at the time you thought about it, but, you know, I would arguably say that the hardest, you know, six minutes of sports is wrestling. You can't hide, you can't run, you're, you know, you got your, your periods, you're, you're there and it's, and it's a grind, right? That was that part of it. Hockey a little bit, a little different because, again, yeah, it's all shift, and if you were good, you played a lot and excitement. But you know th- that was you really loved the sport because you were waking up at three o'clock in the morning uh, to go get ice time at five o'clock someplace where you you're playing at midnight. So that was those challenges you know, with it. So I guess all the sports together got you to really focus and driven, and it kept us very very much in tune. I mean, yeah, you, you had friends, but you, that that's what you did. Summertime, you sort of broke, and you know, we lived in a beach town, so you went to the beach and you did those things. What position did you play in football? Played uh, defensive back and wide receiver. Yeah. Did you have a – which one did you like better? I mean, everybody loves getting the football, but there there is something fun about the challenge of a defensive back. Yeah, I, I think playing DB from a skill standpoint, I was probably – or was better suited, you know, suited at the time uh, speed-wise and those type of things. And uh, you always get a different opinion of yourself. Back in the day, when you then you you look back in time and say, "Boy, yeah, I was you know a five foot nine, you know, hundred eighty pound guy that wasn't very very fast, and uh, probably should have been playing outside linebacker to, at, uh, as we as I was a Division three player back in the time." And I often share that with recruits. I mean, there's a place and there's a, a time and a program for everybody, and I think you got to find that nice niche. And Albany was just that for me to to grow my four years there as a player. When you make the college decision, was it always Albany? How did it come about? Yeah, um, truth be told, my older brother Chuck, uh, who's the head coach at Stony Brook, um, was uh, went there first. He's three years older than I was. And he went there. I got recruited by Cortland and Hofstra and a couple of different schools uh, around. But uh, I watched him uh, in the program with Coach Ford up there. Obviously, went to watch his his games and uh, really you know took 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 hold to it. And I thought that was going to be a a real good place for me. And uh, I've often say to, again, in recruits that there's a, there's the advantages when you have your, a sibling that's, you know, a little bit older than you so can, can navigate the trail for you and those things. So what was the transition like going from high school to college uh, as a player? I mean, you talk, uh, I'm sure when I talk to players, talk to people, they talk a lot about speed of the game and it's noticeable right away. Do you remember that? 
Yeah, I mean, the George Craig, and that was many years ago. Yeah, the speed of the game, the size of the athletes, the uh, the, the, the amount of time you put into the single sport, uh, even back then, what what you went through in a in a preseason was different than high school and those things. Uh, level of competition you're playing. I mean, full grown men. Okay, at that point in time, you're seventeen, eighteen year old, you know, college freshman going into it, and uh, so it's um yeah that, that that full experience I think was something that you. You go back and look at it and say, you know, you wouldn't have done any any differently. But that 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 picking Albany and then again the opportunities, the the sense of family commitment to the to the student athletes was you know definitely something that really attracted me there. How much did having your older brother there accelerate the feeling of comfort? Not just playing football, but sure he shows you the ropes, he introduces you to the people. I mean, yeah. a little easier transition. Yeah, there's no doubt. I'd be I'd be honest to say that there's no doubt about that. You know who people are there. Uh, for the same token, there's the uh, other side of it because again, he was a outstanding player. So you want to be able to live up to those standards in there. So there's always a, a give and take and, and all those things. It, it truly uh, a, a blessing that I took that path because I wouldn't be where I was and today. I don't think without making that decision. How competitive were you guys when you were on the same team? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, again, we weren't in a, you know, uh, again, Division Three playoff team. We went to ECAC game there. So back in those days, Albany, um, Ithaca College w- was huge. And then our cross-town town rivals, Union College, who was actually coached by Coach Bagnoli. Okay, uh, kind of ironic, you know, had played against them all those years, and then they went to work for him. So uh, they were, you know, again, other side of uh, the city of Albany. So it was uh, – it was competitive. It was good football. You know, yeah, you played a number of Division II schools, you know, Southern Connecticut, and schools, uh, Springfield College in Mass and in Connecticut. So they were, you know, some real good competition uh, there. And uh, again, wouldn't trade them for, for anything. You and your older brother, were you competitive with each other? Yeah, I have a younger brother too, but we're all very, very competitive. Okay, so I think it was always, you know, trying to, you know, one up one, whether it's you know in anything we did and we we played, and whether it was you know all different sports. And again, our our parents exposed us to everything else, so we all played and all did all the various different sports all the time. So you can imagine uh, th- 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 three boys in a household, uh, uh, always competitive, and to this day, sort of competitive uh, with that. Was coaching always something that? you figured would be an option once your playing days were over or was it a situation where you were done playing football but you wanted to stay close to the game yeah I would say this Matt I I think you know my my exposure was you go again you go to school three hours away okay you do a lot of reflecting on on yourself and you say to yourself what do you want to do to for the rest of your life okay and our our head coach at the time Bob Ford uh, who's legendary started the program back in the early 70s and he, he'd always make a line that really meant a lot to me. He said uh, to the group and said, you know, if you ever get work at something you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. And it really, really struck a chord with me. You know, I watched my dad, you know, we lived, you know, about, you know, 30 miles out of New York City. And it was an hour and a half car ride in where train commute a day. And I simply said, boy, can I see myself, you know, going on the Long Island Railroad every day at the Penn Station? And would that really be what I wanted to do? And uh, obviously I saw that, you know, Albany had a, had a great reputation and to this day, not in the same way, but of really training people to get into the coaching profession. Okay. There was a graduate program where they had four graduate assistants at a time uh, and you sort of uh, 
learned how to be a football coach. They taught you how to break down tape, live scout, everything with it. And when I first started on it, you went through a group, you know, really grueling interview process, even though I graduated from there. And we, at one point in time, had, had coaches at a lot of different levels and a lot of places. Many guys on my staff are, are from there, from, from the Albany experience. And, and that really sort of, you know, grinded into me what it was going to be like to be a football coach. And, you know, those words, you know, do you love to do? And I, I will say to this day, uh, football is passion for me. It's not a, it's not a job. It's something I really uh, honestly enjoy doing every day. That first year when you're assisting in Albany, how tough was it, not from an X and O standpoint, but you go from being a player and one of the guys to – now you're a coach, but a lot of those guys that used to be the guys are now the players. How tough was that? Sure, that, that was tough, right? And uh, honestly, even my first year, I stayed in the house where, you know, one of the couple of the other guys who were juniors, you know, lived with us and those things. But you, you learn to separate. Those guys understood those things. Now, back in those days, you know, we had both, you know, varsity team, we had a JV team, okay? So what you really were, you know, I was, I was the assistant you know, linebacker coach. I didn't have the actual position. So I did assisting that position. And then with that, obviously I, I coached a lot of the JV games in there. So you didn't have the, maybe the direct contact with the upper class that you did other than a game day on Saturday. Right. So you sort of built that way. And, and the guys, I guess, you know, they, they show you great respect and knew who I was as a player out of those type of things. But, you know, again, you know, guys were after a game were Heading out down one way, you had to now obviously go in a different direction. Obviously, being a being a coach. So again, it's a, a again great, wonderful experience. And to that experience, what's the biggest lessons you learned during that time early at Albany as a coach that you know you've been able to develop on to this point today? Yeah, that nothing comes easy. Okay. Uh, again, Coach Ford, we always say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Okay. Uh, that you got to work at everything that you do. You you got to earn it. Go out there. You got to study. Be prepared. Um, again, you know the first one and the last one to leave sort of mindset. Don't leave um, any stone unturned is what you what you're doing. And uh, really, but also there, really, really be passionate. Give back to the sport that you, that you really that you love. It's all about developing young 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 men uh into being great people uh there i think we have such a great impact on on their lives okay as as people and there and you know to this day you still get calls back from guys that you that you coached and you played with you know 30 plus years ago and it's great to see that you know that you had that impact on their life and potentially still do so after a year or so at albany you end you come to the university of pennsylvania uh you mentioned al bagnoli you know uh, but talk about the getting the job at Penn. How did it come about? Sure, that was a great experience. Truth be told, there were four second-year GAs, okay? Myself, uh, Rick Ulrich, who's on my staff, Jim Margraff, okay? And Joe Tricario, four gentlemen that we were in the same sort of class together. Uh, Rick ended up going to Princeton, okay? Jim came down and became the tight end coach at Penn, okay? Back in December after the season, and it, over the – the break, uh, they, lo- they lost a coach on staff down at Penn. So Jim said, hey, come on and apply for it. I applied for the, the job, came down and interviewed. And in you know February of, I guess it was 87, I came down the Majestic Thruway of New York, 
Jersey Turnpike and made my way to Philadelphia. And uh, again, that was uh, again game changing life experience. And I know really to uh, the, the the coach Mark Raff, he was phenomenal, uh, uh, you know, guy to work with for all those years. And and it really came it started it started that way. And you started at Penn working with the linebackers, correct? Yes, I did. Uh, back in those days, late '80s uh, until the early part of the '90s, we had freshman teams. Okay, and freshmen at that time were only eligible to play freshman football, which something had been the way that NCAA used to be. I at least continued that through. So I was on the staff as they got hired on as a freshman linebacker coach, defensive coordinator. So we had a separate freshman team. We played. Uh, six games on the year, and then after our season was over, then you migrated up with your players and guys up to the to the varsity, and that was a great experience. Uh, uh, Joe Valerio, okay, Kansas City Chiefs All American, uh, was in my class as a, a first year here on 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 staff. So it's great, you know. Joe and I always reminisce about being a freshman together at Penn, so to speak, and uh, being here for those years. It's it's been great, but that that itself was a great experience. Another level of football. Penn had just come off in uh, the 86 season, 10-0. and 0. Uh, Things were sparking high, unbelievable. Uh, you're walking from my stadium at Albany and Division Three stadiums, and you walk into Franklin Field, and you're like, oh, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. You, 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 you go into meetings in that spring. You go to golf outings, and, yes, yes, I mean, you're seeing some great people, players and that stuff, legendary. And then you start pinching yourself saying that this is a, this is a dream to be in this opportunity. And, and obviously things from that point on have changed dramatically just in the, the footprint of Philadelphia itself and the campus. It's uh, uh, it has developed so many, so much in uh, 30 plus years. How much of an adjustment was getting used to being an Ivy league coach? And what I mean by that is you're fishing out of a special pond for student athletes uh, there's a lot that I think Ivy League institutions you have to be concerned with that maybe other institutions don't, maybe not so much. How much of a challenge was specifically getting into the Ivy League and getting used to how business is done there? Yeah, I would say this. I think, you know, as young recruiters and that stuff, it's all about trying to find the talent level, right? Understanding what the talent level is to win and and those things, and you look at some of the players back in those days, Brent Novoselsky, who played several years in the NFL and others, it was like, okay, this is what a tight end looks like. And here, I think it's trying to get that sort of lens. And then to your point, this it is a special type of student-athlete because, again, there's a lot of hurdles that you have to go through in that process. One is the athletic ability there, okay? Second is obviously academic qualifications to get into school, so you got to be able to you know, meet those criteria, okay? And third is uh, – because not scholarships, you got to go through the whole financial aid piece. Okay, so it is, it is a very long, thorough process. Um, to let you know, back in those days, you used to recruit fifty, you know, fifty recruits a year. Used to bring in, okay, to be part of just a freshman team, and so you had a lot of kids in the program came on in and through those years. And then obviously, you know, early nineties that that system and those things have changed, but you know, the, the art of recruiting is all about sales. It's got to understand your product that you're selling. And once you learn more and more about what Penn has and all those subtleties, there of all the different departments and what we're successful in. And that's, you got to know your, your product and obviously be able to just find out, you know, who is that person that's, that, that's a Penn kid. Okay. A Penn, a Penn student athlete, a Penn football player is, is a special type of person mindset there of our expectations. And, you know, just, uh, so I think that's you know, how you sort of build into that. So you're a Penn for a few years, then 
Al Bagnoli becomes the head coach, I think, in 92. And he brings your brother Chuck as offensive coordinator, correct? Absolutely. Uh, How much fun was that? Well, it, it was fun once Coach you know, got the job. So I'm on the job and uh, work with Ed Zubrow to start out. And Ed was a tremendous coach. And all the coaches I've had a pleasure to work with, okay, and around and for have been tremendous in, in their own light. Uh, uh, he was so organized, so detailed, Ed. Uh, there, I worked for Gary Steele for three years. He was a coordinator, defense coordinator before that. And Gary, what a tactician he was! He really was a motivating uh, person. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't do that well in the late '90s or early '90s, I should say. And Coach uh, Bagnoli was, you know, being interviewed and hired. And honestly, you're sitting there as a coach when the coach gets fired, you all get fired. And I luckily knew probably one person, 80, was getting went for the job and coach got the job. But the challenge then was the fact that, you know, could you hire on, you know, two, two you know, siblings on the same staff? And luckily I was a defensive coach. My brother was an offensive coach. So I technically worked for, at that time, Mike Toop, who, who we brought down and who Mike Toop was a gentleman who coached with me at Albany. So these are all these combinations. And going back, Coach Bagnoli in the late 70s coached at Albany. Okay, so we have this sort of Albany bloodline through us through those years. My brother, obviously, had coached at Albany as well as well as played. So when Coach uh, got the opportunity to stay on with him, it was helpful to everybody, um, me included. But I obviously knew about the ins and the outs of the program. Um, you know, in my late, uh, I should say, before Coach Steele left, I really was handled on with a lot of the recruiting. So I had sort of the ins and the conversations, understood the process. So in that transition, I was sort of leaned upon to help you know, sort out our process, which is obviously very, very different. Than, and then everything else was, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Working with your brother, interesting. I think I'll uh, let me say this. We might we might have commuted for the first week, okay. Then after that, we didn't commute together, okay. Uh, God God bless. We we worked together from '92 through uh, the late '90s before he became head coach at Trinity College. But uh, again, li- li- lived in the neighborhood. You know, his wife would take care of my daughter when she was born. Me so again, still did so many family things. It was great for my parents because they only had to go to one game, okay. Didn't have to go to multiple places, so it was, it was easier on them. So you, we mentioned you started as linebackers, then you spent time defensive ends. I think you spent time special teams coordinator. Not specific to the job, but when you move to position or you move to focus, how much of a challenge is that? Or as you get older, is it all coaching? It's just funneled in a different direction. Yeah, and again, I, I think I was lucky that you know, you know, a lot of coaches, and you'll watch anybody. You, you're pretty transient, right? You go from place to place and to, to sort of move up and perhaps you stay at one position for a very, very long time. But through early on, you know, I've had the outside linebackers and I coached D-line for, for, for one year. Then I was back in the secondary. So when you get exposed to coaching, one is I think it's all about teaching. So you got to understand the teaching aspect of what you're teaching, the schematics and the scheme part of it. But then it's just, you know, getting that knowledge of what it takes to be in those positions. Um, I think all of those things and then obviously uh, a passion I've always had was special teams and the value of that. You know, getting a chance to coordinate that was important because that's such a, a big impact in the game. And I think, you know, those things just keep running. So, again, I, at being one place, you know, again, coach a lot of positions was in charge of recruiting and got lucky to be, you know, coordinate the special teams, which all of this helped build, you know, my, um, my experience and uh, 
sort of my, my, I would say what resume, but the experience piece of that. And how much you eventually become defensive coordinator, I think uh, around 99, when you become a coordinator, I can only imagine how much all that position, it just helps so much. Well, it, it does, because I think it's all about organization and that stuff. And again, had the, you know, the privilege to work under a lot, you know, a couple of different people in that role. And you, you try to utilize their blueprint of, of success of how you run run that office and you run the meetings uh, there and then obviously you're leading the team with messaging e- each day that you're there you know i'm very 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 thankful that very early on as a coordinator uh, coach cohen was our offensive coordinator okay and coach cohen scored a lot of points so thank you coach cohen okay so he's gonna play defense we just score a lot of points uh remember our, our first year and and in, in, uh, 99, when that happened, it was uh, we, we, we scored a lot, which was a lot of fun. But again, then it's building staff. And I think the, the one lesson learned from all the coaches that I've worked for, from Coach Ford and Zubrow and Steele, is surrounding yourself with really good people, good teachers uh, that make your job that much easier. People you put you know, the responsibility in their hand, they take it and they run. How much do you enjoy – the tactical part of the game, sitting in your office and watching film and putting your defensive game plan together. When you're a coordinator, obviously, now as a head coach, it's, it's more broad. But how much do you love just digging into that and, and figuring out how to stop the other guy? Yeah, and, and I would say this. I, I think when I took over in 2015, you know, I hired on Coach Benson and, and Coach Reagan, uh, who happened to be two more Albany people, okay, Uh and I'd gone back in a long time with them, and you had really good trust. And what I found early that the job of a head coach, you have to be in a lot of different places. So you got to trust in the staff to do different things. And I thought, you know, early on, we did a really good job of just doing that and, and doing that stuff. So, yeah, you got involved in it, but honestly, not the same way when you are just defensive coordinator, right? You're watching tape, but you also want to watch offense tape. Now you watch the special teams tape, and you're trying to piece all those different things uh, together on top of your fundraising and recruiting and all the other hats that you have to wear around a department, which is exciting but can be overwhelming. I think as you get into it, then you have to be, you know, you learn about how being the game manager, right? Managing game from that standpoint, right? You're the pilot of the plane, okay? You have the control. So on fourth and one, you got to be ready with those decisions. And, you know, I, I tip my hat off to a lot of coaches who could sit there and call the plays as well as manage the game. I think that's, that is really, really um, challenging to do so. So you, so you ride a lot on Coach Benson and the defensive staff. But, you know, again, as I'm in there, yeah, again, that's the beauty part, right? It is the X and the O's. It's the game within the game. And you know, how do you win a football game? And what are the, the, the key components to that stuff? Try to try try to lead with a lot, you know, allowing our staff to coach and do those things. And, you know, there I think one of the hardest things to be a coordinator, okay, is if, you know, someone is in is in your ear, right? And they're they're constantly it's really tough to focus. So you gotta have good lines of communication with, with your with your staff and your people and uh you know, just move everything in the positive light. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with University of Pennsylvania head football coach Ray Priori right after this. Hey, everybody. It's Cherry Gregg here. You may know me around town as KYW News Radio's community affairs reporter. But every week I produce and host Flashpoint, a podcast where we highlight the hot topics in Philadelphia, local newsmakers and changemakers burning things up in our region. 
From gerrymandering to gender equality and policing in schools, we'll walk you through the flames on Flashpoint. It's available wherever you downloaded this podcast that you're listening to now. So subscribe. Thanks so much. And we are back on One on One. Our guest this week, University of Pennsylvania football coach Ray Priori. When you're a coordinator, how much of your job is done during the week with regards to game plan? Like, how much is it during the week and how much of it is in the moment adjusting to what is happening in front of you? No, no doubt about that. I think, you know, a a huge part of the job, right, is obviously breaking it down. Where does your pieces fit? Where are the matchups? What what are the specialties? What are they doing in that two-minute drill? So you're prepared that when it's happening game time, it's you, it's it's a, it's a reflex, okay? It's just okay. It's a second nature to you. You're just sitting there and and making the call. I then do believe that your ability on the field that you can have again great intel coming. You know why did something bad happen? Was it because we were in the wrong gap? We missed a tackle, okay? You know is there is there a structural reason? Is it a personnel reason? So again, you got to be able to have people around communicating those pieces in so you can make, you know, smart decisions there. But, you know, that tactical thing, you got to be able to listen, okay, and give people all the thoughts. And some of the best things I, I have, and remember Brendan Copeland, okay, we were doing one game, we're doing a lot of twisting and stuff, and he came on the side and says, Coach, just let me go. Okay, Cope, you go, okay. And he turned around and Harvard and sat Harvard quarterback for a safety. And, you know, sometimes you get your best intel from the players, okay, because, again, they're out there. Coach, I can take this kid, man. Okay, so you so the, you, you take information, you take uh, the pulse of the game by so many so many uh, you know different ways and people and and, and um, things that happen. You guys had as you defensive coordinator, and you mentioned Andy Cohen as offensive coordinator under Coach Al Bagnoli. You guys had some phenomenal undefeated one loss seasons. How hard is it to maintain at that level? I think it's one thing to get there, but. One of the things about the Quaker program for a long time is how you guys have been able to maintain elite level success. How hard is that? I'd say it's extremely hard, right? I think it's that there's right reasons why things happen. Okay, I all do things things cycle. I think if you really look back at Penn, short of eighty two through eighty six, okay, which were you know you know five six straight years winning Ivy Championship. And we've been a program where we have really, really peaked and won, you know, one, two, maybe three championships and then a little down below. And then you sort of peaked up again and you just look through the times. It's that way because I really do think it's tough to, 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 to maintain that level. And then players change, right? You, you, you come in with a, a quarterback that's maybe a starter for two or three years and then you lose that that spark in your team and you know is that next guy able to to do that and i say the word quarterback that could be any player player it could be a you know a great tailback or linebacker or defensive back so as your talent sort of flows in and out there and then obviously as you're going through you know things cycle with you know good football teams right in, in the league and they all of a sudden have that 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 quarterback that's that really that outstanding player the guy that you have to beat and and do that stuff so i think you know any more to, to have Long, long runs, I think, is uh, kind of special, hard to do. I think we always look at ourselves as a team that we want to hit the month of November, 
okay, with, you know, chances to win the title, okay? We, uh, we, that's our goal. That's our standard. We understand what we want to get to. But as a, you know, we want to be playing meaningful games in December, which means you got to win early, grow as a team as you're going through September, as you're going through October. You want to progressively get better uh, through those things, work out the kinks. So you get that last three or four Ivy League games, you can, you know, come out and, uh, with victories. Talk a little bit about, you. was there a point, where, I mean, you've been at Penn for a long time. I don't know that anyone takes a job, especially as young as you were, and says, I think this is the place I'm going to be for the duration. But was there a point in these time where you started to think like, boy, I really like it here, and God willing, I could see myself here for a long time? Yeah, I mean, early on, I'd say, you know, in the, even, you know, again, in the early 90s, I mean, there are opportunities that you look at and you go through and things that were around the West Coast and this place and, you, and you're looking at different opportunities. Um, I always looked at it. If I'm able to be at a place and I can continually to grow within the organization, with, within the, the, the community, within the, you know, the, the, the program, then why go to someplace else when you're getting that same experience here? And I, again, have been, Again, very, very odd for a coach to be at a place for as long as I've been. I've been uh, had the, the great fortune to to have that happen to me. Almost every two or three years, it was something else able to get put on my plate, something new, something challenging, more responsibility. And then you get to the point where it's okay, okay, let's, let's, we're here now, you invested this much time. You know, if that day comes, uh, hopefully they'd give you that opportunity. And uh, that day came when – when Coach Bagnoli decided to step down, and I was able to uh, to take over. Yeah, let's talk about the taking over the program because you become the coach uh, December 2014, so effectively for the 2015 season. But that was a decision that had kind of been put in motion earlier. Kind of talk about you know the conversations and when that became kind of the plan. Yeah, um, again, I'll have to date back to the. I guess it was would be the. 14 winter, if you wish, when Coach Bagnoli had uh, had conversations about the opportunity to possibly uh, be stepping you know, down that following. This would be his last season. Again, once again, I've been fortunate to be, you want to say timing is everything, right place, right time. Steve Bilski, who happened to be athletic director at, at that point, you know, just knew me, quality work perhaps that I did, and uh, went along with giving me that opportunity that, that spring. So I I think it was the end of March where I was uh, named sort of head coach in waiting. Uh, we went through the the 14 seasons, so I was very fortunate because not only did coach leave, but you know, we were having a new athletic director coming on as well. Okay, so again, I was lucky that uh, you know, Dr. Calhoun embraced me uh, in that role, and I think we've had a great uh, great uh, team building. I think we all we all see same we share the same vision uh, moving forward. But that was a uh, some fun times, some interesting times, because again, you're sitting in a position that's really not very, you know, normal, right? So it's there, and it's what's going to happen the next time. So it was there, uh, been able to get off to a good start. So that helped. Did you was in a way that 14 season was it almost more work because you've got your duties coordinator, which is a lot of work, but you've also got your eye on you know, the transition to becoming the head coach uh, that you got a lot. I would have as much as a head coach has, you know, the balls in the air, seems like there'd almost be an extra special one because of the, the day-to-day coordinator duties. Yeah. I, I guess I, I hope to think that I, 
you know, again, the focus was was to win in that season, right? And everything you did that way. I guess the only thing that I felt that was really in my purview, if you wish, was going to be the, the the piece of the recruiting, right? Make sure that piece went, went strong. Defense was defense. You want to win that way, but just you know, really not to running, but just being in that path of recruiting. So there, you, you, you really there. I wasn't doing anything with budgets or anything outside those realms and thinking about fundraising. I wasn't doing any of that stuff back at that time. It was really coordinating and then really having more of the, those conversations in the recruiting, right? Because that was going to directly impact, you know, sort of my first class that I was bringing in and stuff. So we talked about all the success you've had, you had as a staff and with Coach Bagnoli. Uh, what was what were the biggest things you learned from from Al? What were the biggest things that that you took from the years you guys worked together? Yeah, again, I you know again you go back. I think your know, coach has been successful for a very long time because uh, you know from he was a defensive guy. I'm a defensive guy, and how he watched the game and looked at the game, he understood it. Understood the defense there. He understood offenses really well. I would say on the other side of it, he was a really, really good, very outstanding game manager. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd always love to hear him on Saturday, Sunday mornings after a game and talk about the games on Saturday night. What about this situation, that situation? Because again, those are where, as we all know, the games are won and lost in, in that way. And, um, you know, sort of that is how he sort of did his business. I think, um, I hope to think we, we, we share the same thought process with the end goal result is victory. And those things, the question is, how do you, how do you get there? You know, again, I just say his, you know, competitiveness, that he a very competitive person in everything he wanted to do. And I think if you're in the sport, that's what you are, is you're a very competitive person. So I would say those are probably some of the biggest takeaways. I, we talked about how the relationship changed when you go from being a player at Albany to that first year as an assistant coach. Do the dynamics change when you go, even when it's expected like this, but when you go from like associate head coach, defensive coordinator – to the head coach, do the, does the dynamic with the kids change as far as uh, the relationships go? Again, I hope to say the relationship with the kids don't change, but it, it does. I, I think the the difference is that when you're a coordinator, you're with them all the time. You're in the sideline and the huddle and those type of things. So your direct contact with them is that way. I hope I I still to, to this day are you know our guys understand that they're they're. There is no open door policy because there's a total open door, right? So just just come. <laughs> you want to be there. You're you're, you're in there. So we're, we had that connectivity. Uh, I think that becomes the challenge of things of access to people and kids. And you always want your kids to understand they can reach out. You can be uh, someone that you could talk to. We're there for them. We're there for their experience. And hopefully, through my years at Penn, all those kids passed present and future always understand that's how I want to run it we, we talk about family all the time these kids are your family you're with them sometimes more than your own kids and you want to make sure that you're able to give them the best experience that you can but that experience comes with trust and they gotta they gotta trust you you gotta trust them and I think that's built over you know shared experiences which is which is the sport okay it, it's all about trust whether it's fourth and goal and you're going in or fourth and goal and you're trying to stop somebody uh, so I think we we always go back to those those principles of, of why teams are successful. That's why you know, we do what we do. I think there is many lessons turned that are that are learned in a year of football than there's a year of any course taught on any campus of of some valuable things about leadership. Okay, how to be a good leader, how to be a great follower. 
Because in this world, that's what, you, what it's all about, finding great leaders and great followers. You kind of alluded to this earlier and touched on it, but when you become the head coach, it becomes about much more than just football. You mentioned fundraising, and there, there's a lot that goes along where you might get eight, nine, ten things down on the list of the daily list before you actually get to something XO recruiting related. How big of a, an adjustment was that? Was it a little overwhelming at first? Yeah, you just, I, I think the biggest thing is you got to learn how to adjust your schedule, right? And I think you have to do those pieces there. So uh, I'm an early riser into the office early, and I try to get a lot of that um, work done beforehand. Uh, we get a chunk of my day done beforehand so I can open the window up later in the day to have more access to do football or vice versa in, in that space. Time management, I don't think I don't care anybody who's successful in this world. It's all about how you manage your time and budget your time. But those roles are, are, are different. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's more of the, the traveling. A lot of those things happen obviously more in the off season, right? So again, uh, as you're going through the uh, spring and winter and spring, you you go from transitioning to recruiting to sort of fundraising and you go into different places to, to visit with people because you know, it's a very, very, generous people that want to support the program and believe what you're doing is special. Your first win as a head coach, uh, the first win's always special, but yours was special to the nth degree because you guys beat Villanova, you know, an elite FCS school. Uh, What was that like winning that game? And uh, we had done a side project where we talked to some guys for the Uber for Penn uh, about that game and just uh, looking at the guys' faces, talking about that, how much it meant to them winning that game for you. What's your memory of that? Well, it was like no other week. You know, we had played Lehigh the week before, okay, and uh, we got off to a lead and we, we, we bailed in the second half. So we knew we were close. And remember back, that was the, the week that the Pope came into the town. The game was supposed to be on Saturday, got moved to Thursday night out of Villanova. So that was you know, it changed. We thought, well, maybe that's a good game, good for us, because perhaps, you know, that gives us less time to heal from their previous you know, game that they had. Uh, so you're trying to find every edge in the book, get on the bus and, you know, the roads around Philly on that Thursday night were just jam packed. You couldn't go anywhere. So we went back through back streets and around Route 30 and we passed the seminary where the Pope was staying. And, and I kid you not, there's a splash of water hits the windshield of the, our bus. I said, guys, the Pope just threw us a blessing. Okay, the kids kind of chuckled. Uh, we go on the way, we get to the stadium, and obviously the kids, um, tremendous effort by everybody, players, coaches, uh, everything. You go back and you, and you rewatch that game, which I did for the first time this past fall uh, with those you know, players, four past players. Yeah, everything that could go right went right in that game. From one the turnover margin, you know, precision in the offensive calls, key th- defensive stops, you know, Donnie Pantio on ninety yard, you know, uh, fumble return for a touchdown. So everything fell into 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 play after the game as we're walking to the press conference, and you know, uh, SID Chad says to me, "You realize what you did?" I said, "Yeah, we won the first game." He goes, "No, we haven't beaten them over in a hundred years." I said, "Whoa, I would have." Really been really more nervous, so that was even even uh, obviously ice in the cake. But just so proud of the the kids that day, uh, the effort that was uh, that was there. And we had been for many years in some great battles with Villanova through the years, and you know back from the from the nineties on. And it was just there we could never get over the edge, and uh, we finally had done it on that night, which was uh, special for so many. 
Do you still get nervous on game days? I, I'd say it's excited. I think I think it's exciting energy. I don't think it's it's nerves. I think uh, as players, coaches, we all have routines that we go through. Uh, as you get into the stadium, when I'm at home, at home, we you know, I put myself by my locker very early. Walk to Franklin Field, and you know I always would reckon that you know you hear and you see like you know the steam coming from Franklin Field and the, the ghosts and the of great players pass, and that just you know gives you gives you thrills. And I think you gotta. Yeah, it's not nervousness, but it's excited, excitable energy uh, on the stand that you got to build perform, and you get yourself into that groove. You got that sort of stickiness in your hands, and and, and that sort of that mindset. I guess that's probably I condition myself probably no different than I was a as a player because I think you got to be mentally ready to do that physical job, okay? And or mentally ready as a coach. Uh, really, in some regards, not any different than a player. You got to be in that right space, right mind, understand being totally confident in the plan uh, going out there with the plan. Let's try to execute it. And then, you know, you know just uh, praying that you make a lot of really good decisions down the line. How have you changed over the years as a coach? We talked about what you've learned from different people, what you've brought from different, different coaches, but overall, how do you think you've changed from, uh, you know, the late eighties when you were just starting to now? You know, uh, interesting question. I would say that I've, you know, as a head coach, what I learned, you know, maybe learn to do, I'm not sure if it's the best way to say it, but, you know, learn to listen or really sit back and really take it all in, really hear this. I guess I did it before, but you're, you're going on a, on a path and you're, again, I'm a, maybe a crazy little Italian. So it's really hyper on things that you do in the office and those things. And, you know, learn to be a little bit more sort of uncontrolled, a little bit more, you know, balanced as you go through. Uh, understand it's all in the preparation you always know but you sort of learn those things and you find finding ways to think about you know because again in the role that that you're on now is it's all about now how do you inspire kids how do you set the template i go back to that mental performance piece to it again which i think is so critical is the physical piece is one but i think it always goes back to how you how you develop yourself as a in the mental capacity and i'll marvel back to you know, guys like Justin Watson and just marveled all over their their focus and their and their way they prepared and went for the game. And I think those are the things we try to again try to instill in the current players to get them into that stage of mind. So I think you're always learning. I think as a coach, I don't think you ever stop learning and learning from how people are doing things. And uh, you're sitting there taking down notes as you're watching, you know, Ohio State playing in Alabama, you know, the big game and those things and. You know, watching Coach Stefanski on on Sunday and all those things, and you just try to learn. I think that's if you think you have all the answers, um, then then I think it's probably time to get out. Uh, we don't. <laughs> You're always trying to learn. You won the Ivy title your first two years as head coach. You won a lot of Ivy titles as defensive coordinator, as an assistant coach. Does an Ivy title hit differently when you're at the top of the totem pole when you're the head guy? Ah, I think you enjoy them all. I mean, there. And then the next question is, which one was better than the other? I think uh, winning is winning, okay. And, and they're all they're all sweet and, and all special in their their own ways. Sure, when you when 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 you're doing it, and you know, trust me, those first two years, yeah, obviously, I'd be remiss to say it wasn't you know special that you, you know you accomplished something, something that you always had a dream of doing is you know being uh, able to be a part of a university. Uh, a culture of people in our athletic department are all built upon driven for the ultimate student athlete, the success. And you're able to, 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 in that pinnacle hit it. It was, you know, 
you know, so special, so special to do. But, you know, again, I just, you know, you go back to the 2002 victories and 93 victories and the 88 wins. I mean, it's just, they're all very special moments in their own way. And you've dropped some names. Justin Watson, a great wide receiver who's in the NFL now with Tampa. You mentioned Kevin Stefanski, former Penn defensive back, had a great year, first year as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Other players, you mentioned Brandon Copeland. How much pride do you get from watching these guys that you brought in as 17, 18-year-olds go on and and do the things they've been able to do at the level? And not to mention kids' college you know, doing it at, as college coaches and stuff like that. But how much pride does that give you? Oh, oh my God, yeah, right? I mean, it, it gives everybody in Penn the pride. You, Greg Van Roten was playing with the Jets right now. They had another one to it. And, and Kevin, I mean, uh, I thank Kevin for helping me through this fall, okay, because I'm, I'm a big Browns fan now. <laughs> it's great great to see the Browns win and, you know, texting with him before the games, after the games, and uh, just sharing in that experience. It's, yeah, I, I mean – you know these people. You, 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 they're like your you, you, like your kids. You get right. You you care for them so much. It's so proud. Like like a like a like a father. You're watching them perform on Saturdays. Uh, seeing it, they're, they're they're at the top level of their profession right now, and and having great success. Um, and each one of them story and and way they've gotten there has been different, but uh, they're all successful in that light. And we have so many other kids, and all of them who end up becoming very. Uh, special and successful in, in their own little fields that they go into and in finance and medicine. I mean, as proud as, you know, we had, you know, 27 seniors um, uh, last year graduate and, you know, you know, five or six are going to medical school, another four or five are going to law school. I mean, so those, these kids are, they're high, high achievers, no matter what world, the professional world they go into and you're, and you're proud of all of them. But again, when you see them there, they've reached the highest part of, you know, our sport, Right. When you get a chance to either play in the NFL, you know, pretty awesome. And or you're coaching the NFL. And, uh, you know, again, with, with Kevin, that experience and that sort of you know roller coaster and uh, being in quarantine and everything else. God bless him. That was a uh, great to see. Ray Priori, thanks so much for taking the time. Great, man. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank University of Pennsylvania head football coach Ray Priori for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show, you want to do us a solid and you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should.